You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon that I want to share with you today, that I feel like the Lord wants to remind us today, is God has been good to me. God has been good to me. Let's say this with me. God is good to me. God is good to me. The scripture that I want to kind of highlight and dive off into is Psalms 126 verse 3. Look at this. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. I guess I should already change my sermon title. The Lord has done great things to me. I love God because God is an abundant God. God is a bigger God than even the sermon that I can create. The Lord has been good to me. It says here that the Lord has done great things. Which one would you rather, good or great? I'll take both as long as God is involved in it. God is in the business of being good and doing great things for us. He's in the business of being good and doing great things for you. It's in his nature to do and to be good. All the way back in Genesis as he's creating the world. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 31. As we get to the end of the first chapter of Genesis. And God saw everything. Saw everything that he made, that he created, that he put his hands to, that he spoke into existence. And indeed, no shadow of a doubt, no changing, no wondering, no questioning. It was kind of good, almost good. In a decade or two, it'll be good. No, as soon as he spoke it, as soon as he said it, as soon as he created it, as soon as he put his hands on it, as soon as he breathed life into it, it was very good. At the beginning of time, at the beginning of creation, at the beginning of us seeing who God is, it is established that what God does is good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. I want to remind you through some scriptures today. If you forgot, or even if you have been taught to believe different, that God is good, and he enjoys doing great things in your life. I believe, and I'll show you through the scriptures hopefully today, that one of the greatest revelations you can have on the other side of the cross, on the other side of your salvation, is understanding and receiving about God and his goodness. The prophet Nahum has this revelation in Nahum chapter 1, verse 7. Nahum writes, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. Look at this. And he knows those who trust in him. So many people, we, and we've probably all prayed this, God, I want to know you. God, I want you to know me. God, in this small town of Williston, in this house on the outskirts of town, in this church here in the middle of town, do you even know me? Do you know the people of Williston? Have you passed over this little town? Have you gone to Columbia or Charleston or the big cities, Paris, New York? Have you gone to all these other places? But it says here that he knows those who trust in him. Makes me want to put my trust in him just a little bit more. 
That the more I trust him, the more he knows me and the more I know him. The thing is, it says that God is good, but so many people think that when we do bad, God is mad, and we run away from God. We get away from him. We don't go to church. We hide from him. We turn into Adam and Eve again. I was naked and I was ashamed. But it says here that he is a stronghold in the day of trouble. So in the worst of my worst, what I should be doing is running to the stronghold. When I'm in trouble, I should be running to him. I should be putting my trust in him. Because he's the stronghold. He's the one who does good and wants to do good in my life. A stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who trust in him. In Psalms 100, verse 5, we see the revelation again. For the Lord is good. It says in the scriptures, his mercies are new every morning. How can they be new every morning? Because his mercies are everlasting. They're forever and ever and ever. And it says that his truth endures to all generations. Now there seems to be an attack in regards to truth here during this generation. We have been taught, we have been told, we have been instructed in this generation that you need to know your own truth. You need to live your own truth. You need to enjoy your own truth. Believe your own truth. Don't believe anybody else's truth. This is what this generation has been told. But the scripture says here that his truth has endured all generations. It's endured all fads. It's endured all parts of culture. It's gone past all generations. It continues to endure. His word remains the same. His word will not return void. Jesus comes and says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There is no way to the Father except through me because he's good and his truth of him being good extends generation after generation after generation. Because my family, my parents, were the, the first Christians, as far as we know, in our generations. My grandparents got saved after the fact. But I grew up in a Christian household. We'll talk more about it next week, but next Sunday is my Christian birthday. When I got saved... The day before I turned four, August 27th, 1990. Three years old, the worst sinners a three-year-old had ever seen. And the Lord saved me, three years old. We'll talk more about that next week and celebrate that. But I saw the faithfulness of God. I saw the truth of God in my parents' lives. I saw that we had never been forsaken. Righteous had never been forsaken or the seed begging for bread. I saw the faithfulness of them being in church every Sunday and Wednesday and every time the doors were open. I was homeschooled growing up, and I remember when there was revival at the church, and they were having morning services, lunch services, and nighttime services. We were homeschooled, so I remember doing schoolwork underneath the pew. People are running around and having revival. 
And it says that his truth endures to all generation. And now I have two children. That my son has come to know Jesus at a young age. And that we've got to have these stories. And we've got to teach our children about the truth of God. And the love of God. And the mercy of God. We talked about it a couple of weeks back. My son had lost some video games the last time I was in Dallas. And I ended up finding them in a chair, a rocking chair that's in our room. My wife was freaking out about it. And I'm like, we found the video games, you know, big deal or whatever. And she said, you know, you don't understand because Noah, my oldest, he's eight years old. He woke up that morning and he said, God told me that my video games were in the cushion of the sofa. He said, I know it was a dream from God. And they tore apart the sofa in our living room and they couldn't find it. But it was in, the, in the, the seat cushion of the rocking chair in our room. It was in the cushions. He just didn't see it right in the dream. But God was speaking to him at eight years old. And he's got a story. He's got a testimony that God is faithful. That God is good. That God wants to take care of. Now, it didn't change the world. It didn't save a whole country. It didn't do anything but minister to a little eight-year-old boy that God cares about the small things. And it's another thing that he can trust for his generation. I learned from my parents. I've learned in my own life, and now my kids are learning as his truth endures to all generations. Psalms 126.3, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. The Lord has done great things for you. Psalms 145, verse 9. You're going to see a pattern throughout all of these scriptures. The Lord is good to those that give at the church. As a pastor, I'd like to change that scripture. <laughs> the Lord is good to those who are at church every Sunday right before it starts. The Lord is good to those that read the Bible and pray all the time. No, it says the Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies, look at this, are all over, over all his works. His tender mercies, they're all over his works. There's a song we grew up singing in kids' church and in Awana, and I still sing it to this day, that he's still working on me. At 30-something, I don't know. I know I'm under 40, 37, I don't know, something like that. It doesn't matter. After 30, I quit counting. I know I'm under 40 still, but he's still working on me to make me who I ought to be. And it's my prayer as I'm growing in God, God, you've been so good to me. And the more he's good to me, the closer I want to be to him, the more I want to encounter him, the more I want to learn from him, the more I want to enjoy him. Because the more I'm around him, the more I see his tender mercies moving in my life moving on my marriage, moving on this church, moving on this community, moving on my family. His tender mercies are all over his works because the Lord is good to all. Romans 2 verse 4, Paul writes to the church of Rome. 
And he says, or do you despise, he's asking a question, or do you despise the riches of his goodness? Not just his goodness, but he makes a point to call out the riches of his goodness, the riches of his forbearance, the riches of his long-suffering. Remember that God is an abundant God. God is not just a God of barely enough. God is a God of more than enough. He's got riches. He's got new mercies. He's got grace upon grace. He's willing to pour out all of his love if he'll give you Jesus, the scripture says, He'll give you anything. But you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance, his long-suffering, not knowing, not knowing that it's the law of God that leads us to repentance. No, 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 it's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God. And what's the goodness of God look like? It's the gospel message that Christ died for your sins on a cross He was buried in a tomb and he rose again the third day. And it's the goodness that he sent his one and only son to eradicate sin, death, hell in the grave and kick that dumb devil in the mouth so that you can have the victory to walk in what you're dealing with right now. And not just dealing with it, but overcoming it. Taking us from glory to glory. Taking us from faith to faith. Bringing us higher than we've ever been before. It's the goodness of God. That brings me and draws me closer to him. God, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be ugly like this anymore. I don't want to be ugly to my spouse. I don't want to be ugly to my kids. I don't want to deal with this sin. I don't want to deal with this frustration. I don't want to deal with this, uh, this depression. I don't want to deal with these mental issues. I'm tired of dealing with it. And it's the goodness of God that brings you out of it and brings you into his glorious light. James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. James calls out to us and says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So he's trying to tell us that there's deception that can happen with whatever he's about to say. That that the devil is going to try and deceive whatever he's about to say. So he's saying, don't be deceived about this. Look at verse 17. Every good and perfect gift from above comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning don't be deceived there are good gifts that God wants to bring to you there's good gifts what makes Christianity different than all other religions is this one focus is that all other religions is about you doing what you can do to get to God Well, if I do enough good, then maybe I can make it to God. If I do bad stuff, then I'm further away from God. It's all about what can I do? Karma, yin and yang, all the things that I can do to hopefully appease this God. But the beauty of Christianity is not about God coming to man, but God coming down to man. He creates Adam and Eve, and it says that God comes down at the cool of the day told you this before. If I am God, you're coming up to heaven to see me. I'll create a ladder, maybe an escalator, depending on how good you've been, and you can come up to heaven and spend time with me. But that's not who God is. He created mankind as the desire after his heart, and he comes down to Adam and Eve. Even when Adam and Eve has sinned, he doesn't stay up in heaven. He comes down and he says, Adam, where are you? And he doesn't leave mankind alone. He tells them, I'm going to send someone who's going to come and change our relationship. 
bring our relationship back. And he sends his son down to earth. Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, gives up being as he's up there in heaven to come down. He became, he was the son of God who became a son of man so that sons of men could become sons of God. And then Jesus says, it's not good that, that, that you be alone, but I got to leave. The disciples are like, wait a second, where are you going? He said, well, there's something better that's coming. What do you mean there's something better? It's God in the flesh. He says, no, 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 there's something coming better. And it's not going to be God with us, Emmanuel. It's going to be God in us, the hope of glory. And God sends himself, he sends Jesus, and now he sent the Holy Spirit down to not live on the earth, but to live inside of each and every one of you. And then one day, I pray sooner than later, as we're walking through life, as we're walking through earth, as we're doing our job, as we're doing whatever's going on, that cloud in the sky is going to split, and we're going to hear that trumpet blow. And God's finally going to say, I've had enough of coming down. It's time for all of y'all to come up, praise God, and spend eternity with me. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down to bless each and every one of us. Psalms 119, we have got to roll. Psalms 119, verse 68. You are good and do good. That's pretty simple. We could just... We could have just said this scripture right here and called it a day. You are good and you do good. And then look, here's the prayer of, I'm assuming David wrote, wrote this of Psalm 119. Teach me your statutes. You are good, you do good, so teach me how to do these things, how to walk through this life. I don't know about you, but, but I've been praying and fasting and the prayer is about to be answered next Saturday because next Saturday is the first time that we're going to have college football, praise God, for the rest of the year. We have been struggling, we have been fighting, we have been over, trying to overcome this thing, and the answer to the prayer is next Saturday, praise God. It's happening. But, so I've been watching, you know, there's been different uh, things that are out there because the NFL and, and, and football teams, they're all in... Um, a training camp right now as they're preparing for, especially NFL, because they had the NFL draft, and each team gets to pick five or six players as they go through the draft, and then those draftees, those rookies, they come to the team. And these people, specifically, we'll, we'll use the example of the New York Jets. The New York Jets traded for and, and bought on the contract of Aaron Rodgers, one of the best, they say, quarterbacks ever to play the game. And they're doing a, a I don't know if you ever heard of the, the series called Hard Knocks, where they're, they're watching the Jets and they're documenting every week uh, their training camp experience. And there's, a, there's some rookie quarterbacks, a guy that's played for two years, Zach Wilson, and, and a couple other quarterbacks uh, that have the opportunity to sit in the quarterback room with arguably one of the top five greatest quarterbacks ever to play the game or to play the NFL. And they get to sit in that room and they get to listen to what this guy tells them to do. This is how you throw the ball. This is how you read coverages. This is how you avoid this. This is how you overcome this. 
This is how you win the game. He's won a Super Bowl, so he knows how to be a champion. And they get to sit there and glean from him as he gets to teach them their statutes. Now, wouldn't it be crazy if these rookie quarterbacks, as Aaron Rodgers is trying to explain to them how to win the game, and they said, shut your mouth, old man. I could do it on my own. I'm younger than you. I'm faster than you. I'm buffer than you. I've got less gray hair. I don't want to listen to you. It'd be crazy. We think about, no, you'd sit there and you'd listen and you'd learn as much as you could. But how many times are we sitting in the presence of God and we have the Bible that have all his statutes, all the wisdom from all these years, all these decades and millennia that God has placed in there, and we say, we probably say it quietly, we don't say it in front of people, God, don't tell me what to do. I can figure it out on my own. I can walk through life. I've been here for 30 years. I've got it covered. I'm not going to go to church and, and hear what God has to say. I'm not going to read the Bible. I can figure it out. I'm pretty good. It's crazy to think that, but how many people, none of y'all talking to the empty seats, those people that aren't here. Psalms 119 says, you are good and do good in the humbleness of King David. It says, teach me your statutes. I understand that you're good. I understand that you do good. So I need to learn as much as I can from you so that I can walk in that goodness. God is good and he can teach you how to be good. It's just who he is, and if you let it, he'll just rub off on you. Amen? Let's pick the second part of this verse, and we'll land the plane. Psalms 126, verse 3. The Lord has done great things for us, and this is our response. I'm mad. I'm angry. I ignore it. My response to the Lord doing great things should be that I'm glad. That word glad in the original text means joyful, merry, rejoicing. Even in the middle of the worst circumstance, God can show up and do good. Amen? Do we believe that today? We have to remember and respond and remind ourselves that he's good. In the worst circumstances, we have to remind ourselves that he is good. And my response, listen to this, my response is not dictated by my emotions, but my response is dictated by knowing that he's God. And we've all experienced those people when life hits them hard and the, the storm comes and it blows their house down and it knocks them down, even if they're in the church. And their whole world collapses when something happens because they forgot the chief cornerstone of who Jesus is. They forgot that God is good. And you've seen those people, when, when the, the sand is, when the, the waves are beating against their house, they're still standing. They're still at church. They're still smiling. They're still giving. They're still loving. They're still serving. How can you do this? Because the Lord has done great things for me. And no matter what my circumstance is, I choose to be glad today. I choose to believe that God is on my side. And if God is victorious, then I'm not a victim. I'm the victor in the name of Jesus. I choose to be glad. He's on my side. I will be. Yeah, I don't like the circumstances. I don't like the situations. I don't like what's going on. But in the middle of the storm, 
I know that I have someone that can say, peace be still. And so I choose to rejoice, knowing and looking for the answer. Knowing and looking. We always, you know, jump on the disciples during that story. And in some circumstances, we should as well. Because the storm's coming, and they go and wake up Jesus, and they're freaking out. They say, Jesus, don't you care if we die? And then Jesus shows up, and peace be still. And then he says, where is your faith? But there's also a beautiful part of the story. Because they could have stayed on the top of the boat as it was drowning, and they could have just kept looking at the storm. Well, this thing's getting worse by the day. Goodness, this is, this is a bad storm. We are not going to make it. But in the middle of the storm, they knew the answer was find Jesus. It says in the scriptures, even when I'm faithless, what is he? He's faithful. He's faithful. Even when I'm weak, he is He's strong. So when I'm suffering, when I'm struggling, when I'm doing all this, I'm going to go to the source. I'm going to go to the one that's doing good and great things. And I'm going to wake him up. God, I'm struggling right now. I don't know what to do. I'm frustrated. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm angry. I might even be angry at you. But I know you can help me. And Jesus gets up. He doesn't rebuke them right there. He rebukes the storm. And then he has a teaching moment. <laughs> hey, let's, let's learn after this. But he, he takes care of the situation right there because the Lord has done great things. And then afterwards, he says, hey, let's, let's revisit this situation and see how we can get better going forward. But they wake him up. and He changes the atmosphere. The Lord has done great things. We are glad. We have to be looking for the goodness of God or we're, we'll miss seeing it. Sometimes we get so caught up in the situation that the goodness of God shows up and things change and we still complain. But God's already moving. God's already working. God's already doing something. And there might be somebody in the church or a pastor or whatever and they'll hear your story and they'll say, oh wow, God did this for you. What? God hasn't shown up yet. Well, he you're telling me that the situation changed here, or it sounds like this, this happened here. That sounds like God's moving. It might not be the, the fruition of, the, of solving the issue, but, but he's moving. He's working. I don't see that. Yeah, yeah you missed it because you're so focused on the storm. In Psalms 27, verse 13, look at this scripture. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that the goodness of the Lord, not in, not in heaven... Not on the spiritual side when I die. No, no, I want to see the goodness of God right here, right now. I want to call heaven down to earth right here, right now. That I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. The action that it takes on my heart to step out in faith. If that's you, Jesus, tell me to come. Yeah, come on. And then all of a sudden, he starts looking away from Jesus, and he loses heart, and he starts sinking. But the beauty of it is even while he's sinking, the goodness of God shows up. He doesn't let Peter drown. If I'm Jesus, I'm going to let him go under a couple times. See? Why don't you believe me? Pick him up a little bit. Get, get you a breath. Oh, joking. That's why I'm not God. <laughs> But as Peter said, help me, help me, the goodness is right there. 
he lost heart. But the goodness is there to recover him and help him. Psalms 34, verse 8. Here's another action verb. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Look at this. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Blessed is the man who trusts. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I don't want to lie to you. You wouldn't know this. But my grandmother, Mama Sherry Doucette, makes the best homemade chocolate pie on the face of this planet. Now, you might be thinking, you don't know my grandmother. Well, you don't know mine. (laughs) Makes the best chocolate cake. And I could explain the homemade pie crust. I could explain the hours it takes to stand on that stove. Believe me, I've tried to make this pie and, and not done it successfully, but I still eat it just to remind myself. As she stands on that stove for hours, just stirring that chocolate as it gets thicker, bringing it to a boil. And then the homemade meringue that she would put on it, and we would only get it during Thanksgiving and maybe Christmas if we were lucky. So all year, as a kid, like a crackhead, I just have to be waiting and waiting and waiting And then we get to Thanksgiving, and now I've got to eat turkey. Now I've got to eat rice dressing. Now I've got to eat my green beans. All the while knowing that pie is in the fridge, and it's about to come out, and I'm about to destroy it. So whoever else wants to get it before me, because I've tasted and I've seen that Mama Sherry's pie is oh so good. Some of you haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and you can't talk about it like I can talk about Mama's pie. That God saved me from my sins. That even when I've fallen, even my shortcomings, even as I've walked through my life with God, through high school and college, disappointments and failures and things that happened, Bible school, different churches that we've been a part of, different pastors that we've served underneath, just different things that's happened, but that God was always there. God met me where I was at. And even when I was weak, he was made strong. But you need to taste yourself and see that God is good. I could tell you over and over and over again how good God is. But you have to taste and see that he is good. And it says that second part of the verse, blessed is the man who trusts in him. I know, we're almost done. Tell him, tell him to get you a table. I'm sorry. <laughs> blessed is the man who trusts in him. Has anybody ever gotten in an elevator and had an elevator drop on them? Is anybody? Anybody? Nobody? Oh, one. Yes. Is it? Thank you. Just me and you. We're going to talk about it. It So at Bible school, there's this old hotel building that the men's dorm was in. And uh, I don't think they've ever repaired the, uh, the elevators there. And I used to always be on the 10th floor. And it would get real, real, real suspect. And on multiple times, really the last time, I was probably on floor eight or nine, and it dropped on me. I was the only one in there. And, and, uh, and we hit, I hit the bottom. And so ever since then, I have a trust issue with elevators. <laughs> you can see why. And so for the most part, if possible, I'll always take the stairs. It's just, I, I get in an elevator... And I'm like, I just don't trust you. I just, I've seen enough videos. I've experienced it. I just don't trust you. So I'm going to use another option to get where I need to go. So I'm in Dallas this whole week, and we're at this big hotel, and I have to take the elevators all week. 
I don't know where the stairs are. There's three different massive, it's, it's, it's like 30, 40, 50 stories tall, just this big, huge uh, hotel that we're at. And so uh, I couldn't find the stairs. And so I had to take the elevator Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And every time I'm in the elevator and I'm like, all right, Lord, you got to... You got to make this thing not not fall on me because this is this is I do not like being in that confined space and the possibility. Honestly, it's probably a control thing. I'm working on it. We'll get there uh, of not being able to control it. If it falls, it falls. So my option is instead of trusting the elevator, I find another option. See, unfortunately, there are people that are watching online, not people here that you've given up trusting in God to help you, and you've gone and you've found other avenues and other ways to circumvent that. Instead of standing in the elevator saying, God, I trust you, I'll taste and see that you're good. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in him. We've lost our trust in him, and then we wonder why we're not blessed. Because there's a blessing attached to just trusting in him. God, if this elevator falls or not, if this life does what this life does or not, I'm trusting in you. I'm not going to look for another option. So many people look for other temporary options. We go to the bottle, we go to the bar, we go to the wife, we go to the, the girlfriend, we go to these different things in the world that will temporarily satisfy that we think would be good enough for us when he's the one who's good and giving us good things. And we trust in him. We don't look for the stairs when it comes to Christianity. I'm going to stand in my life with God and see him move. A couple more scriptures, and I'm stopping. Psalms 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Do you see these action verbs, these action items? And we are glad. He's done great things for us. It's a choice. I'm going to be glad. I'm going to believe. I'm going to taste and see. Psalms 107, I'm going to give thanks because he's good. And then the last scripture for this is Romans 8, 28. We know this scripture. Look at this. And we know. So many people don't get past this part right here. We question. We hope. We believe. Fingers crossed. No. Paul writes, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. That you know within your knower, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what's going on, God didn't cause it, but God's going to help you get through it because he's good. And he's going to supply the things that you need to help you get through that season in Jesus' name. And as we conclude, I've got two more scriptures. Since he's good, we are empowered and encouraged to be his representation here on earth. So he's good, he's done great things, we're glad that he's doing it for us, but then there's a call to action on our part. Hebrews 13, 6, the writer of Hebrews writes, but do not forget to do good, and, I feel like I'm talking to my kids, don't forget to do good and to share, share your blocks, for look at this, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased, oh, we're always trying to please God. We're, we're trying to do whatever we can. Remember the, all the other religions? We're trying to do everything we can to get to God. Like little kids, notice me, I'm a middle child. 
So you know middle children don't ever get noticed. And we're there. Hey, hey, remember me? Hey, I'm right here. But it says that if you do good and you share, to God it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice and that he's well pleased when you do that. Don't forget to do good. How, how can I do good? Well, I can do good because I've been with the one who does good. If you're having a problem with sin, get closer to God. The scripture says that God is holy, right? The scripture says that there can be no sin around God, right? There can be no evil around God. So the closer I get to God, the more I get like him. And the more the sin disappears from me. But the more I get away from God, the more that and I get in the world, the easier it is to fall into temptation, the easier it is to fall into sin. So if you want to quit sinning, just get close to your good, good father. Because sin can't be around him. And if I'm around him, that sin's going to go by the wayside. And I get to be more like him. When you're around somebody good, you can't help but be good. That cheery person in your family or at work or even here at church, you just got to be around them. There's just something about them. There's just something different. And the scripture tells us, don't forget to do good. Which means it's something that we can forget when we're busy in life. When we're driving and we're late for whatever, we want to get to the table because it's almost 11.30 and the pastor's still preaching, I got to get there. We forget to do good. We forget to share. Even at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, however old you are, we forget to share. But when we give, we do good and we share. It says God's well pleased. Your daddy, your father's well pleased. Last scripture I have. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. And let us not grow weary. Don't get tired of doing good. Keep doing good. Even if everybody else is doing bad. Even if everybody else is burning it down, you be the one that's got the bucket of water trying to throw it out. Our pastors told us a long time ago to not burn any bridges. He said, but if a bridge is on fire, you're the one that as you back off of that bridge, throw as much water on the bridge as you can. Try and save that relationship however you can. Don't be the one to burn it all down. Be the one to extinguish it. Be the one to try and encourage and do that. Don't grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if you don't lose heart. In verse 10, therefore, as you have every opportunity when it presents itself, make the choice, let us do good. Not to, not to the ones that deserve it, but to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. There's so much division in this world, and if we're being honest, there's so much division in the church. Shouldn't be that way. Yeah, we might believe a couple of different things. We might dress, and we probably beat the drums and play that electric guitar a little bit louder than some, but we're all part of the household of faith, and let's do good with each other. Let's serve each other. Let's love each other. Psalms 126, verse 3, and the Lord has done great things for us. And today and this week, we choose to be glad. Amen. Let's stand up as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you that you're good. Thank you that you're a good, good father. Thank you that you're on our side. Thank you that you're believing. You're loving us. It says in the scriptures, you're interceding for us. Father, I thank you. It says in your word that you're proud of us. Father, there are people here that are going through so many different situations. So many people are tired and weary. 
They're worn down. They've been beaten by this world. And they're just looking for an answer. They're just looking for one more thing to hope in, Father. And let this word register inside of them today that God wants to do good things to them. God is on their side and God is cheering them on. In Hebrews it says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on to the finish line and that we choose, Father, in the middle of our circumstances, no matter how good, no matter how bad, no matter how ugly, I will be glad. I will be joyful. I will be merry because I know that God is on my side. There might be times where I do have to shed tears. There might be times where my emotions are running raw. But Father, let me always come back to center, knowing that God is on my side. He is, it says in Hebrews, he is my anchor of hope. That you are our anchor of hope. When the, the, the wind is blowing like crazy, I drop the anchor of hope into my situation, knowing that God's going to show up and God's going to provide. And knowing that as we get closer to God, our good, good Father, Father, use us this week to be good. Use us this week to do good, to not grow weary in well-doing, but do good and bring hope and bring a future and teach and tell people that God is good, God loves them, God wants to save them, and God wants to change their life. That God's moving. I thank you that you're moving in this church. Thank you that you're moving in these people's lives. I thank you that you're moving in this community. And Father, I thank you you're moving in the other churches around here as well, Father. I thank you that you're unifying us and that we can do good in the household of faith wherever it is and wherever it's at around this area. Father, I pray scripture over these people right now that one says that they are blessed and highly favored. They are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and they're blessed in the field. Father, it says that everything they put their hands to prospers. Father, it says that the favor of God surrounds them like a shield and they have favor with God and they have favor with man. Father, I thank you that right now they have the mind of Christ. I thank you for wisdom and revelation being revealed to them in their own lives. Father, I thank you that their body is the temple of the Most High God and I thank you that by Jesus' stripes they are already healed. Father, I thank you right now that they are the salt and light of the earth, a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. Father, use us this week to do something good in somebody's life and tell them about the goodness of God. Father, I thank you that we are the, the diffusing the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere we go. We are atmosphere changers. When we walk into work on Monday, when we walk into our house or the restaurant after church, when we get in our car, we diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere we go. Now, Father, bless these people, protect these people, cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all next Sunday. Thank you all for coming to church. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.